0: You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 I'm here with Scott. Scott, can you pronounce your last name for me? Because it is a little difficult.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's Glorioso.
0: That is an epic last name. Basically a pop star last name. (laughs) Nice. Now, the best part about this podcast is it's mobile so I can I basically come to you where are we at right now cuz we're in this room that is basically a giant puzzle I mean there's pictures of what looks like a Queen Elizabeth and I I don't even know Sir Lancelot on the wall that are tilted sideways we're in this kind of dim lighted with candles on the walls creepy vibe
1: yeah this room is, is is part of the Dracula's library Experience at captive escape rooms in Ocean City. I'm um, this is like my quote unquote my my, my day job. Um, I'm the manager of, of, of this location, and I just thought, you know, when you said this was mobile, I thought this would be, you know, an interesting room for us to kind of set up. For and sure, we got, man. We got these two big wingback chairs, and you know, this little table, and it's it just I don't know, it just feels feels like a good room for an interview. It
0: feels either. like I'm in an American horror story. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. It might reach for some uh, pretty good questions on this. So, what I want to talk to you about is what do you do professionally besides running the capture room?
1: I do a number of different things. Um, I, I, I guess my main side gig, you know, um, outside of, of running this place, is I'm a musician. I've been a musician for a number of years and it's you know it's it's been a big passion of mine I've been really fortunate to be able to to figure out a way to make you know an, an a, a supplemental income out of it you know that's some, some, something something you're dream, passionate about yeah, yeah
0: yeah now you you play drums and uh, Ramones tribute band
1: yeah well that yeah that particular project is is it kind of like on a, a little bit of a hiatus right now we've uh, it's it's not it's not a dead project, but we you know me and Casey Briggs, you know, founding members of that band. We we're, we got into other we're into other things. We're our working band, Three on the Tree, is still a thing. We've got a we've got a lot of irons in the fire. We're doing a duo um, that we call Morning Glass. We've got really interesting little project that's coming together with uh, some some other players like Taylor Knox and, and DJ Adam Dutch Dorham. Um, There's like a dance project that's in the works and, and you know, it's,
0: we've... It's, so you don't just focus on punk rock or anything like that. You, you have an expansive music selection, basically.
1: Yeah, you have to. You have to. It, because it's, you know, I mean, well, you don't really have to. I mean, I guess that's an extreme thing to say. You have to. But we're, we're in this particular market, in this particular community, um, you got to be open to suggestion. You got to be open to suggestion, and the people that do the majority of the suggestion that matters are the patrons that go to the venues where we perform. Yeah, I've always had a heart and a passion for writing music, writing you know writing my own songs and things like that, having original bands, and and I, and I and I love that. Whenever I'm involved in a project like that, I think that's when I'm having like my most fulfilling experience musically, but. You know, it's, we, you know, other markets, big city markets, New York, you know, L.A., things like that. You know, it's, it's easy. You can be an original band and have a lot of success. Because people are willing to pay to do that. And here the majority of the crowds that we have are cover oriented crowds.
0: Yeah, because they people want to hear something that they that can either dance to right. or that they know. Right. Like if you're going there playing original music, you gotta kinda throw your original music in after a couple cover songs just so people can get can like you first. You have to right. open up to them. And then once they're opened back to you, you can throw in an original and they're like, okay, maybe I like that. Maybe I'll give that a list to you. Maybe I'll buy a CD or buy a shirt. Exactly. And that leads to them eventually following you.
1: And that's essentially you know, the the, the path that the that the, the Phantom Limbs took. And they do some covers, but primarily they're an original band and they've, they've made their own CDs and, and sold their own merch, T-shirts and stuff like that. They developed a the following in a certain sect of our local culture and they've survived they found a way to do it fortunately in this community in this environment that you know I think they're going on like eight years or whatever some somewhere near a decade of being an original band that's still a thing and they found a way to do it and the, and the hoopla's also found a way to do it um, but you know eventually you get to a certain point where you want to do more than what this community has to offer and you do what the hoopla's are doing now, which is relocating to a to a bigger market. Well, so I mean, to...
0: Ocean City's a great market in general, just the type of people we have that come down here, mostly because this is like a seasonal town, so wintertime, like how it is now, it's really kind of dead. Right. Um, but when it comes to summertime, we have bars on practically every block. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you deep, can't get have, away from a yeah, bar. Yeah, you have clubs. I mean, there's all this place where y- your stuff can get played on the radio basically anywhere. That's a big influence. I mean, one of our main attractions being the boardwalk, a giant stretch of like 30 something streets with nothing but boards where it's right on the ocean. There's crazy people doing talents, spray painting, all these different types of just abilities. Playing music is a main thing on there. People have their guitar cases open like you would see on the streets of New York somewhere. Yeah. Where you've yeah, been. I've done that. Yeah. And you know, it's it's just to get there voice out there and then you know like i said eventually someone buys a cd where did your musical whole entire influence come from is that a childhood thing because what you just said about being able to write your own songs and you enjoy that process that was the hardest thing for me was when i was with my brother and we'd be trying to write a song i couldn't think of shit to say (laughs) everything i was saying is like it sounded like an Eminem mixed with like a Weird Al Yankovic type vibe where you're like throwing in my toothbrush matches and then it would be something stupid.
1: But like he would, it would come so easy for him. So it came easy for you? At times. I mean, with the writing process, I mean, there are times when it's just like I feel like when I sit down and I, I'm in that mood to, to, to write a song, I feel more like I'm some sort of conduit of some kind that's just harnessing a song that already exists in the energy, in the universe, and it just comes through me, and it's a, a, a easy process, it's a fast process, it's a painless process, and before I know it, I have a song that I'm like, this is, this is cool, this is done, and I'm happy with this, I like this. Then there are times you know, when I feel like I have to force it and, and I'm in the same boat that you're talking about being in where it's just like no matter what you do, you can't you can't make yourself create a thing that you like. You can't force yourself yeah. to create a thing that you think someone else is going to appreciate. You can't see anything objectively or optimistically from any point. Everything you play sucks. Everything, every lyric you write sucks. And, and, and it gets frustrating, you know what I mean? Because… You want it to be you want every experience to be like the experience when it's easy when it just comes through naturally yeah but there are times when you know you just you can't get it out
0: well I mean how easy would it be if you could just sit down and be like I'm gonna write a song like dream on right yeah it's not gonna happen there's <laughs> right. you're, that's not gonna come that quick that's either it, like something everything in the world the stars the line whatever has to connect for that it's just spark to hit you like you know, some beats can create by just by you're in the kitchen and a certain pot and pan falls a certain way. And if you play drums, you might hear that. And you might be like, you know, that gives me an idea. And then you go into the garage, you start hitting the drums and you start messing around. Next thing you know, an hour later, you got this sick beat. Right. Like Stuff like that happens. I mean, I've, I've been driving down the road through Salisbury, and looking at cornfields and all these trees and just seeing like it's around wintertime, you know, autumn, like just the colors and those vibrant colors, not only inspiring just like beauty in my mind of how the world works, but then it's lyrics start coming to my head. So sure. I start thinking about certain places that have these different geographical aspects to it, more like how our ocean is right here. Like We can walk there, see the sand and the beach, or we can take 10 minute walk and go to ocean pines or something where there's nothing but trees and then you get a whole nother set like th- just those images that can flow into your mind make me really understand why people even world travel in the first place
1: yeah your environment I mean plays such a big role in your in, in your influence I mean it's it it, it it really does I mean you hear you hear people you know that tell stories at times you know that they went to a certain place to go write a record You know, they were they recorded they went to this place and they rented this house in the mountains or this cabin or something like that Dave roll was doing an interview once and he was talking about, you know After the Foo Fighters had their first initial success and everything they recorded their rec Their their first record out west or whatever they came back and, and they got they got a little house in the woods in in Virginia and they just whatever, however long it took them to make this record, six months, whatever it was, they just they just lived in this house in the in, in the in the hills, amid the trees, and a great record was born out of it. And he attributes, you know, a lot of the the comfort that came from with with writing that particular record from being in the environment that they were in. You know what I mean? So it definitely plays a role.
0: Just like in 8 Mile, where Eminem's sitting on the bus with headphones on, and he's writing rap lyrics, and it's based on his life and everything, and he's just staring at the streets and seeing all the different... That created that whole drift or emotional um, sense that he has in his songs, which is right. the rough aspect of it. You're listening to an Eminem song. A lot of his songs are like... They they pump you up. They're not something to bring you back down. Right, like, right. But, and then you listen to a reggae band or somebody that's from out in like California where everything's more of a chill slow down or a Hawaiian type vibe and then you listen to that and then it kind of puts you in like a different mood that is a beauty of music first of all just the amount of how you can put emotion into words a creative thing and then that can affect somebody else that you can project that onto somebody and make their whole emotions and personality change in that like we've all experienced driving down the road with our windows down blaring our music like no one gives a shit yeah. like it you're the only person in the world we've all experienced that and it's the best feeling in the world it's great some of the moments where i had to stop and just in my car and just start singing uh just a lyric to a song because it has got me that emotionally moved just to start going along with the lyrics and feeling what this guy was probably feeling the time he was writing this stuff that is an amazing thing and as a musician i bet you can understand that just with the the beauty that like a lot of people talk shit on the world and and talk shit on music and really anybody talks shit on anything right. about in general about oh that's easy to write a song maybe for you but it's not easy for everyone there's people that sit there and they put all their time and effort into it and they can't get a decent lyric out and then there could be the one guy that writes down something that just clicks to him in that moment and it's a hit hit. but that could be their one hit
1: right right you know it's been it's been interesting uh, to 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 do it to be a creative in that aspect and and kind of ride these these waves of of Ups and downs. Ups and downs. You know, uh, ease and and, and, and difficulty with, with with the craft. And and I don't really, I don't really, put put it out there. Like even when I get it done, I mean, there's there's like a vault, we'll call it. There's a vault of recordings of songs that I've written um, that m- that no, most people have never heard. You know, um, played a couple on. 98.1, I did. I did a few radio shows, um, live Licks at six or, or or the Sand Jam or whatever, and and I've I put some songs in a couple contests and stuff like that, and I've had some success, but for the most part, I've never really sat down and been like, okay, I'm actually going to package this collection of songs, re-record them like to professional mastering standards and stuff like that, and actually try to put out a record. Um, that that's always a thing that could happen down the down the road, but yeah. right now, it's writing is just something that I, I do. It's like it's like a therapy for me, you know. Or, you know that I that I, that I just do. Yeah, you're not really I do, worried. I do it mainly for me. Yeah, you're you know? not really
0: worried about getting it out there. That's the same thing where they just found recently with uh, Michael Jackson. He had a journal or something that his family came out with. Of all his like secret like songs that he kept for himself, just thoughts and stuff that came to his head that he would write down in oh, his man. giant journal, never released it. And people are like, "I'll buy it for a million dollars." Like that—that's something. Basically, what you're saying to do. Imagine Scott, you're going to get famous, and then next thing you know, you got this hidden journal of all your thoughts and all your um, like feelings that someone out there, super fan, is going to want to read. Like, all I right. need to buy that book. You know, I will give you everything I own this shirt off my
1: back—for it. And what's interesting about that is is that you know Michael's never going to come back and record those songs. We're never going to hear what those songs sound like recorded with Michael's voice. So you never but know how they play. You never know how they how, how they would sound, right? But it, so I think what somebody saying, "I'll pay you a million dollars for that journal," is more about I'll pay I'll pay you a million dollars for a look into his mind. His mind. At that time, basically, right? like, his soul. You know exactly. You know what I mean. And that's and that's and that's you know anybody that's an artist of any kind is is, is putting themselves out there. I mean, the, the, you know, a, a poet, an author, a, a, an artist, somebody who paints visually, graphic. You know, anybody that's creative like that has like an interesting thought process by default.
0: <laughs> you now, know? Th- see, that leads me to what I was going to ask you about photography. Now, when it comes to photography, the way I like to think of it is we all see the world different. All right. Okay, it doesn't matter if you're wearing glasses or you're not wearing glasses. It's the fact of we're all seeing this world in different perspectives and different realities that have shaped us from our childhood experiences. Sure. Now, you are an avid photographer. Like I've seen, I've seen your photos, and they're really good. Thanks, and see, the way you see a photo is going to be 100% different from what I'm going to see a photo. Now, the way you capture it and you put it up so I can see how you see it is amazing. But the fact like I might be right next to you seeing the exact same thing in a completely a hundred percent different way, might be getting a whole different you could be having a spiritual moment. I don't know that. I'm sitting there cracking a fart joke. You're not even paying attention to me because you're like just sitting there just in awe. Absorbed
1: with something, right. And yeah. that's
0: why people go and take these giant trips too to go just experience another part of the world like climb top of Mount Everest and just take photos. Have you ever seen a photo on top of a mountain? Yeah, it's gnarly up there. It's, it, it's crazy. It's like I understand why that guy spent all that time and four people died just to get up there. Right. Because of that moment you're realizing life is insane. Yeah. We're practically, I mean, the way you got to think about it, we're on a giant rock floating through space at a million miles an hour. <laughs> and we're all in this world together. So whether you want to be nice or be an asshole to somebody beside you is one thing. But the fact that we're all looking at this world different, we all think differently, we've all been shaped differently. Your passion for music, like I wanted to get into, was was that a childhood thing?
1: Yeah. Okay, so I'll tell you a funny story. When I was a baby, my my mom... You know, you know. I think I didn't get this story until you know later on in life, obviously. But the people would come over to visit my mom. You know, they would, you know, her friends and whatnot, other family members. And when they would come by, they thought something was wrong with me, and they were like that. The baby is. They thought something was wrong with my mom. They thought my mom was 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 screwing up because she had me in this uh, like a bassinet or whatever, uh, and and it was in the living room, and like we had these big tower speakers, and the bassinet was right in front of the speakers, and every time somebody came over, I was in the bassinet, sound asleep, in front of the speakers. And they were like, they would say to my mom, is that okay for him to be like right in front of the speaker like that with the music playing? And my mom was like, that's when he gets quiet. Right by the music. That's when he gets that's when he gets peaceful. He's probably not even asleep. And they would come over and look at me and I wouldn't even be sleeping. I would just be content and still, but awake and alert while the music was playing. And then they would like experiment with it and toy with me and see what would happen when they'd turn the would turn the music off and i'd start I'd start wailing I'd start screaming, you yeah. know you know, and then they'd turn the music back on and i and and i I would shut up, I would get cool again from birth. there's always something that's been you know comforting to me about music, and you get a little further into it, you know as I started to get into school when we you know we moved down here when I started kindergarten first grade and um like always, like when my mom would wake me up in the morning, after she after she could eventually get me out of bed. I'm a heavy sleeper, um, and there was always there was always Motown. She loved Motown. My mom like to this day she still loves Motown, and there was a local AM radio station that she would have playing, you know, and I would just I would come out of my room and I would come sit at the breakfast table and sit down, and there was there was you know the, the 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 four tops and and the temptations and you know all that old school black music and, and it was it was great and i and, and, and i was raised to 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 love it and to this day when i hear that stuff i can still sing along to it you know note for note word for word and people look at me and they're like how do you know this music and i'm like i cut my teeth on this music i was raised on this music and it just that kind of like started like once I got a little older and I started to kind of get out of the house and I started skating. I went to the I went to the bowl at Third Street, you know, to go to skate for the first time. And there was speakers. There was there was this band, this music that I'd never heard before. This 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 punk music from this band called the Dead Kennedys, and it was like the first time I had heard it. And it was. It was was crazy, you know, the the, the point of it, the, the drive of it, the feel of it. And that was a visceral experience. I was like, now I know what this punk music is and I like it because it's different. And then not long after that, a friend of mine was playing this other weird music that was strange to me. And I said, who is this? And he's like, oh, this is Bob Marley and the Wailers. There was born an instant love for reggae and, you know, all the things that I've picked up along the way. You know, when I was in high school, I took music appreciation, and I thought it was—I thought it was going to be more of a, a a pop culture class or something like that. But it ended up being a, cla- a class. Of, it was all classical yeah. the entire year. And when I realized it was going to be all classical, I was like, I, I wanted to get out of it. I was, I was pissed off that I got you're scaring me because
0: that's my next semester class it could happen I'm just telling
1: you it could happen but if it does happen just be open to it because what ended up happening is while I was resentful and pissed off for like the first few weeks eventually there came to a point where I started to pay attention to it yeah and 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 settle into there's beautiful things in this music there's very intelligent things in this music And when you start to pick it apart and you start to take it for what it is. And you think about, you realize how these guys were composing it. They didn't have, there was, Pro Tools wasn't a thing. These guys had to write this. They had to speak music language. You know the story of Beethoven, right? But what, his, he had a hearing? He he was practically deaf. And the
0: way he wrote his music was feeling the vibrations and notes from the keys. Right. Like, that's ridiculous. And you hear the, dun 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 dun. Like, that stuff, like... Maybe he was just hitting that because that's all he could hear was those low notes. But it would, to us, we're like, this guy's a genius. Right. And it's that's that's the crazy thing about writing and just the, the passions and talents that people have. There are some amazing people out in this world. Don't get yeah. me wrong. There are some assholes, but there's everyone's got a special little ability. And what you're saying about how you were just inspired by listening to the Dead Kennedys and you know Motown, growing up on that type of stuff, just yeah. hearing it in the morning. I never really listened to music that much besides when I was in the car with my grandparents and my brother would be blasting a 311 music that's practically sure, yeah we took our trips back and forth to our grandparents house and that's all we'd be playing 311 over and over again and then some random song it could, be, brother, it could
1: be worse because 311 is good my yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah my they're great but my brother was basically the radio station for me because mm-hmm. you know he contributes he always shotgun He was older than me so he sat there controlling the whole radio and my grandparents showed him 311 like and then he just got hooked on it, wanted to go on cruises and everything like that. But I never really truly got into music. I just knew uh, my whole family was into it. You know, both my parents played instruments. My my dad, you know, was a DJ. My mom was a DJ. Yeah. You know, it was all, the music was all around me. But I just I was never captivated by it. Like I like I see it now.
1: While you're bringing up your dad, like, I, I just I just want to like plug out to him. Like real quick, he's, he's the, the, the reason when I started performing as a soloist, like when I first got started, I was playing drums in bands exclusively around here. That's all I was doing. And at a certain point, everybody that I had been playing with got into other projects or whatever and I, 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 didn't, have anybody, I didn't have anybody to play drums with. I was living in a townhouse. I couldn't really practice. I didn't want to be that guy that was living in a townhouse pissing everybody off on either side of him playing the drums. So I got rid of my drums and I bought a guitar just so I could be musical. Yeah. You know? And I had some friends teach me some chords, you know what I mean, to kind of get me off the ground with it. One day a buddy came over and he said, Hey, you figure out how to play that thing yet or whatever? And I was like, Yeah, I mean, I could play it some. And he said, Play me a song. So I, I picked it up and I played him a song. I don't remember what the song was, but he was like, You should, you should gig you should like do like a solo thing by yourself because it's good and um, I was like nah I don't know if I could do that you know that's not really my thing I'm I'm behind the drums guy you know and I'm I'm that guy I'm not the perform by myself guy that's not but I went and I did it a couple times at a few open mics just to see how it would feel and I ended up enjoying it and and I I wanted to to get into it I bought some recording equipment I recorded my own demo CD and I put a lot of work into this demo CD to make it sound really good and crispy and I started shopping it around to all these different venues and I guess at the time I kind of had it in my head that that's all you have to do is have a good demo CD, a little press kit you know, telling people a little bit about your bio, who you are. And you drop it, you drop it off, you get, you get it in the hands of the right person and then, and then the phones will start ringing and, and I'll have all these bookings. And I did that and nothing happened and i started calling these people back saying hey this is scott glorioso did you get a chance to listen to my cd or you know and and it was just this this hassle this grind of beating on doors that were never getting opened and i started to get frustrated i was talking to skip about it he was I, i'll never forget it he was he was like okay i'll tell you what i want you to do and i said what what do i got to do cuz he's a guy that knows yeah. you know He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And I was like, okay, guru, master, tell me whatever it is, you know. He said, take your demo CVs and your press kits. And I said, yeah. And he said, and and stick them in the way back deep corner of a closet that you don't really go into very often at all. Because you're not going to need them. And I said, "Why? I mean, that's the thing to do. I mean, I spent all this time making it, you know, recording it and perfecting it. He said, whatever, here's what we're going to do. You're going to bury that box of CDs and you're going to show up with me. Because he was doing his DJ thing and he said, I'm going to show up at this place and I'm going to do my DJ set and halfway through it, I'm just going to announce to everybody there that I'm introducing you. You're going to come up and you're just going to do your half hour set and then you'll be done. And then I'll finish DJing for the rest of the night. And when we leave, they're going to want your number because no matter how good your CD is, nobody wants to hear what you sound like on a CD. People want to see what you do live, and you're good live. That's your wheelhouse. You're not a recording engineer. Yeah. You're not a recording artist. You're you're a live performer. Let them see what you do. And I was like, I was like, are they, they going to fire you for doing this? I mean, do, they, do you have permission, authority to bring me in there? Not my was, dad cared. Yeah, no, he didn't care. He was like, whatever. We're just going to do it. So we did it, and that was the beginning for me because every place that we went in Maryland and Delaware together for like a couple months, we sat up, we did, we did these shows. Every place that we went, not, not one of them failed to call me. They all called like within, within days, if that. Like most, most places wouldn't let us out the door without saying, oh wait, 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 by the way Scott, let me get your information, I want to call you about some bookings. The ones that didn't let me... The ones that did let me get out the door without doing that would would call within a few days and say, Hey, listen, we appreciate you coming in and and doing what you did with Skip the other night. Can we have you back? And that was the difference between me ending up being just another guy with a box full of CDs that nobody wanted to hear and me having the successful last 10 years that I've had being a performer in this town. I owe it all to him. You know, and I just... When, when when you mentioned him I just I thought I thought this would be a cool opportunity shout out shout out to him you know what I mean shout out to my dad yeah, Skip yeah yeah thanks man
0: love you appreciate you what's funny is I've had so many people come up to me and say you're Skip's kid and I'm like yeah And oh man I love Skip you know he helped me so I'm like yeah I started to realize it's like I was like I when I started as a kid every kid really wants to be like if you had a dad like mine you wanted to be like your dad he's the reason I even picked up drumsticks in the first place mostly because what you know how you were saying where you said your mom um, people thought your mom messed you up sitting you in front of those speakers when you were a baby when I was in school I almost got put into like I almost got sent to like a mental retardation school right. because they sat my parents down and were like, he can't sit still, he's not paying attention, he's being a constant disruption in class. I was put on like behavior books, really bad school problems, only because of the fact I am I have ADHD and I was never medicated for. Sure. it. So I'm sitting in class, I'm sitting there, you know, tapping my feet, you know, hitting the desk, cracking jokes, trying to make somebody laugh. That's my whole thing. I love saying something that might be. You make, make you smile on the spot, and might get me in trouble, like no recess or something, or well, whatever. It was worth the joke, everybody <laughs> yeah, laughed. Right. At the same time, it was also a thing, like I like saying something where you're like, what? And then, like, I've had people come up to me, like, the next day and go, I don't know what it was, but that thing you said earlier in the day, I was driving home and I just started laughing my ass off. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I'm glad I could do that for you. Right. I'm glad it I could at least a, crack a smile for that minute of time. Like, I don't want you to see me and be like, hey, you know, there's that guy. You know, he's never really in a good mood. I want you to see me be like, there's Robbie, man. That guy's out there. Yeah. I'd rather it be like that yeah. because that creates such a sparkful conversation between me and whoever. If I'm just meeting you or if I know a little bit about you, uh, it's, it just creates this wonderful vibe that we can click in. It's, I guess it's better to be nice than be an asshole. But at the same time, my dad, I, when I saw him going out to DJ gigs every night, I was in the beginning I was like, my dad plays drums. I saw him in a rock bottom tribute band, which is a KISS tribute band. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting there like, my dad's dressed up as uh, Peter Chris on stage right now full cat makeup and everything, playing drums, throwing his sticks in the air. I remember I went to my first concert. I grabbed, he threw a broken drumstick in the air. I ran out into the crowd, grabbed his broken drumstick and all the confetti that was on the floor. I was going around just like picking it up on the stick and spinning around like I was like Harry Potter or something. Just because I was like, holy <laughs> crap. I was just amazed like, and nobody could touch me because my dad was on stage. Right, like right. it was amazing to see. And then I remember he told me, you know we were taking a trip over to Taco Bell one time because he had a he just got off a of band practice and you know it was all nighttime he was like you want to get some tacos i was like uh oh, yeah you know i was i was hooked in a video game so i was like let's do it uh, he's telling me about this band he used to be in called Flytrap that I found yeah, out my uncle yeah. is in, he sung to. I didn't know that either. So the next thing I look at my uncle and I'm like, so you were in this band? He goes, I'm going to let your dad tell you about that one. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, Dad, can I see you have a journal? And he goes, yeah, I have a journal. And I'm like, can I look at, you know, I'm around seven or eight at this time. I'm sure. like, can I look at the journal and see the songs you guys are writing? No. What do you mean? No. Right, uh, right. Wait till you're a little bit older. Sure. And I'm like, yeah. I didn't understand. I never heard flytrap. And then I remember I turned uh, 16 and got like my permit and everything. And I was I was just driving, and for some reason it popped in my head. I was like, Hey, Dad, can you know? Can I listen to Flytrap? I've never heard of a song you guys done before. And he's like, "Oh God, I was waiting for this day." Yeah, and I, like, oh, I, I started yeah. reading his journal, and yeah. I'm like, "Whoa, you thought like this?" He goes, "Yeah, I mean, I used to be your age too, man. Like everything you probably think about is what I thought about." Right. It. I was like, "I don't know, I think it's some weird stuff." He goes, "You keep reading that book, you think thinking some weird yeah, stuff." Yeah, I'm too. sure,
1: I'm sure, because it was, it was crazy yeah. times when Flytrap was a thing. I mean, that was I remember that, and. um, yeah, you know, I just, and, and it's been it's been a little bit of a source of disappointment, you know. Over the years, there have been a couple, couple reunion shows here and there, you know, and I've been so excited about them, but I haven't been able to to to, to make it to any of them. And I'd like to, I'd like to think maybe there's another one, you know, another.
0: It, it what what I was like, it, it just we'd be out somewhere at a restaurant or something, just me and my dad, just getting something like a bite to eat or something, and someone goes, "Man, when are you going to play Flytrap again? And like, when are you going to get that back together?" Right. And I'm like. It's this. It was this thing that was a giant secret I never knew about, and right. I, don't, I don't know if he kept it a secret for a reason. And I still don't even really know the full aspect of his band. But just the fact that I knew my dad is the Kiss guy, right. that was a giant influence on me. If I was going to listen to music, it was going to be Kiss. You know, I had a Kiss toothbrush that used to play music when you brushed your teeth. And he was like, and the reason why I had that was he saw it in a store and was like, we're getting this. I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we're, I'm not buying an $8 toothbrush. He's like, no, you're having this. This is what's happening. And he bought me ACDC shirts, all that type of stuff. And those were, yeah, I listen to music a little bit, but. My influence on music didn't really hit me because I used to play video games for so long. Fallout New Vegas, all these types of like wastelandic video games that had old songs in them. Frank right. Sinatra, Fly sure. Me to the Moon, yeah. all those yeah. types of hits. I was listening to those. And then I started going into thrift stores and picking up old vinyl records. Oh, nice. And just, nice. even though I couldn't, I didn't have anything to play them on, it was just cool because I would be like, that song's in my game you know right. i've listened to them and i've the ink spots i know them they're awesome right and i would buy those and then i'd start listening them to them on youtube on my phone through my car because the first thing you get when you get your license is an auxiliary cable so you can listen to your phone in sure the car. that's everything unless you had a thing of cds and right. then that's what you do but I, I remember playing that my grandma was like how do you know this song like this is stuff my husband listened to you listen to johnny cash yeah and then, like most kids my age are listening to like like Post Malone or Macklemore or some type of like artist that is... I mean, it's still music, and I do want to ask this to you before I get into this huge thing. When you look at music, you see the beauty of it, even if it isn't something you're interested in. Is Because when you're telling me that you see, listen to punk, like you obviously have your views of what's your favorite type of music and what you prefer to listen to, but the way I see music is all music is created by someone and if they're actually taking the time and effort to put their heart and soul actually in a song, and you know make it a hit, just because it might not be my slice of toast, it might be somebody else's. Right. And I, I think that is it, that only comes down to the basis. Of When a song is not super overly produced Where it's just nothing but techno beats But that might be something where someone listens to Like techno or skrillex That might get them interested in And I, I think that's fine too Even though it not might be for me But when I hear a rap song And especially the modern stuff now I'm not a big fan of it But all the kids my age that are huge into it and everything And I click with a lot of older people Because of just how my music and gr- raised upness was sure. Just being more level-headed down to the ground, um, and just the type of music I listen to. Compared to kids, I don't really click with any kids my own age. Right. They all wanna go out partying and drinking because we're at that age, but I'm not a big fan of it. And that's just because I'm more of a nice chill out, kinda like, you know, you know I can have my party times, but when I see when I listen to music, it's it's something, and it's, it's I wish it was a passion that I had that I could chase after. Right, playing an instrument. I mean, I can sit myself down and force myself to do it, but it, it would never be an enjoyment to me like it is for you, right? And so, when you listen to music, you understand its aspects of it. It's someone's emotional and spiritual and kind of thing put into words. So you don't really have a dislike towards any, do you?
1: It's easy for me to to, to to have confidence in in my in in my declaration that I, I like all styles of music. Um because I because I, I do, um genuinely. But there are facets of every genre that I think I think go through like cyclical phases. And there was a time, you know when I was I was I, I was a big. I was very heavily influenced by by hip hop, and I was into it. I guess I recognize hip hop by a certain personal definition of, of what that that music is. Even the the same with R and B, and 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 what they what they were. And the more I think about this as I'm talking, I mean, I can even apply it to to, to, to rock and you know a lot of different. things, I, I think music. For for whatever reason, commercialized music, um, the music that ends up being what gets exposed at the surface to the to the masses, I think the quality is in you know as things ebb and flow and go through peaks and valleys over the course of history. I think things are in a little bit of a valley right now um, because I listen to you know and some of you know some of the. The, the people you know a little bit younger than me might say well that's just because you're getting old and you suck now and there's definitely a y- money aspect y- you know in, what I mean in the
0: production of music
1: yeah yeah and the, and the, and there's a money and there's a mar, and there's a market and, and and an industry you know above all things else I mean that's the you know the whole thing is an industry um but I just i, I hope that I hope the industry catches up to itself and starts
0: appreciating the more original type music instead right. of the stuff that's gotta be super produced. Right. Because the stuff you hear now everything that's on the radio is it it's really overly produced and it's just because the art the record company or whoever that owns that song it's not usually the artist that owns it anymore yeah they sing in it yeah they play it but when they sign a contract and they get tied into these legal loopholes you know the the type of record companies there are some out there that are pariah like piranha oh that, yeah for that sure take you for sure. down man and it feels like it as a musician i know it's probably gonna hurt you just to see that a lot of original music and artists that you know started out on like a good road you know to end up getting just taken over by money and stuff and it's 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 gotta it's gotta hurt a little bit just because you're like you enjoy obviously the creative and ebb and flow of music you enjoy the passion to hear that much like i enjoy you know my i like listening to comedy stuff like i like hearing a comedian tell a joke and that's just because they're not being produced by anything that's someone else's thoughts i always thought when i talked It was an annoying thing. I talk too much. I get onto these things where people are like, all right, shut up. But then I started realizing I actually have a weird connection with words where I just took a literature class. I got an A in it. I didn't nice. expect that at all. And that was because it was a drama uh, intro into drama, like mm-hmm. studying drama literature and Greek tragedies and all that. I got an A just because I would write these essays where my teacher was like, that made me tear up a little bit. Nice. Like, not even joking. She, nice. saw, she saw the beauty in the words. And I always thought when I was a kid, like, I'm not going to read a book. I don't care. I remember one day I went to a thrift store, spent 25 cents, picked up a dictionary, started reading words. I mean, every page. And it sunk in. And I remember my seventh grade teacher, big influence there, told me, hey, you know, every time I was in detention, read this. And it just tossed me a Webster's Dictionary. Read it. I'd sit there page after page after page after page. And for fine,
1: be hours just taking in the words. Yeah. And then
0: eventually I was like, can I just take this home and use this as my reading log stuff? She's (laughs) like, if you don't want to read an actual book with maybe like a... A Harry Potter book, something you might want to get interested in. I'd right. rather read this and just read definitions of words, expand okay. my vocabulary. Instead, my, that's where my dad did the smartest thing. What you're reading, every word, write down the definition. Right. I'm like, that's going to take forever. I threw a stack of papers right in front of me right. and put a pencil down. There get you go. Man. Here's a pencil sharpener, and it wasn't. <laughs> not, it wasn't one of the either hand crank ones it was one of the ones you had to plug into an electric one Yeah. but yeah. it had the smallest little cartridge so you had to keep emptying it out every single yeah, so time dump out the shavings and he goes trust me when I wrote songs or did something like this what I did was I had a journal and a pencil and I sat there and I focused on it he goes now read these words and expand your vocabulary right. he didn't say those types of things because even when I talk to him now he's like I don't understand how you can reach for these words like that like I never taught you anything like this I'm like you did you did, you don't remember, but those dictionary, the, making me write down the definitions over and over again. Yeah, it's like when you write your yeah, name was, over and over, it sinks in and you don't think of it. But. I, I love it because now when I podcast or when I'm saying I can actually sound edu- educated on right, what I'm right. talking about but it's it's cool because I can actually have a decent conversation with someone where there's times I sound like I'm from Boston like I'll cut my words like hey you know doing something like that which yeah. not paying <laughs> attention that's just because of the, the constant my influence on listening to podcasting itself I listen to nothing but Joe Rogan and all the people he has that are sure. from that area sure. so eventually it's like you're sitting there if you live in a certain like different place with an accent for so long your vocal thing changes it doesn't take
1: long at all I spent four days in in New York City and and it was uh, it was great And I I, I stayed up there with a friend of mine um, and he's he was born and raised in New York he moved here to Ocean Cities where we became friends he lived here for a number of years and then he went he moved back up there and and we've seen each other very sparsely over the last few years, and it was time for us to get together and catch up. So I told him I was coming up, and he he said you'll stay with me, and I was like, yeah, cool. And just just to hear him talk, he's got such. I mean, you know what you think of in your head when you hear people say that 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 quintessential New York accent. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, and he's he just oozes that accent like with everything he says like not just the accent itself but also like his inflections and the way he speaks his the words he uses the 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 phrase the phrasing it's just like it's kind of it's english by all means but it's its own blunt it's its own blunt dialect and and Let it was get a funny because me on ride yeah and it was like by the end of you know when i when i first showed up you know on day 1 you know i was like walking into the place and i was like yeah can i get a uh, cappuccino with uh, you know just asking trying to order a coffee or whatever and then i was only there for 4 days whatever and by the end of the fourth day, I felt like I could hear myself going to the same person in the same place, going, "Yeah, let me get one of them cappuccinos, huh?" Or whatever, and put, yeah. you know. And I felt like I was assuming the role of of my environment, even after only four days of being in it, you know. Which is funny to um to hear how people can adopt that so I, I used so to fast.
0: Joke around and do impressions to make people laugh, and I would always do like a different accent, like something like. Like, there, oh, I remember There's this Irish guy I used to work with as a jet ski guide. And I'll never forget, he sounded like if you mixed the Lucky Charms guy with just an, an older, pale, like, white. Like, you ever know Seamus from WWE? He's a giant, like, looks like a Celtic guy. Like, someone you'd yeah, be like, I don't really that dude's skin's the... pale white. Like, right. if he went out in the sun, he just turned to ash. Sure. Like a vampire, basically. yeah And he looked like that. But he had the Irish lucky charm voice. I remember he was out and he got in a jet ski accident. And all you hear on the radio was, and he would talk so much on the radio, you end up talking like him with an accent. And he goes, "I think I broke my fucking foot," and it. <laughs> everyone was like, everyone was like, "Oh my god!" and like was like like in shock. Right. I'm sitting there dying laughing right. because the way he said "fucking foot," Shit. it's it it with the way he and he comes back. He's limping. And goes. Yeah, yeah, it hurts. I can't really walk on it that much. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sitting there just laughing and I'm trying yeah. to talk to him like, look, man, you're, you're fine. It's not broken. And I'm trying to like, like look at it and talk to him and I'm making fun of his accent. and I don't sure. know it. Right. And he goes, are you making fun of me, lad? I'm like, no. He goes, okay. All right. All right. All right. And he's like, you're messing around with me. I'm like, yeah, but it sucked because he his friends would come by and his friends all were from there. And sure. it, like, they're all from Ireland. You can't stop yourself from doing it. right?" It was just—it's the weirdest influence, and like that—that that connects to what you were saying about being in New York for a couple of days. When you get back here and try and order a coffee, you want to make sure I'm not yelling in your mind. You're saying I'm not yelling, right? Like I'm not right, hearing, right, yeah, ordering yeah, yeah, a coffee, you feel like you're screaming at the board. Exactly. But that's also where people go, man. You have such a New York attitude um, because they're impatient or something. Uh, the reason why is there's a lot of people living in New York City. And if you come yeah, down here, it's so like 8 dramatic. million people in there. It's a
1: madhouse. They're all on yeah.
0: top of each other. There's really no point in owning a car. You're not going to get very far. You can walk farther than you can driving down yeah. there. It's got to be health hazards, too. I mean, just the fact having all those people in one space. But the fact that the brake dust... All those people that are constantly going, breaking, going, breaking because they can't they can't right, move that right, far. Sure. That goes up in the air. I mean, yeah. you're breathing that in practically half the time, and you hear like a lot of them people come down here, and we have a couple of people in my work that are from New York. They smoke cigarettes like crazy, right. and you're like, I'm like, that's that's going to end up killing you. I lived in New York for a little while. This ain't going to kill me. Right. I'm like, okay, <laughs> and you start I've to be I breathe break dust. Yeah, they for breathe years. break dust. Yeah, you know, it's the same guy works in like a, a coal mine or something. Yeah. You know, I got lung cancer. I got crazy. the black lung. Then why are you still smoking? I smoked that bad stuff back in the day. It's cool about also meeting people, and I think that's what's a great thing about just um, music in general, too. You can meet somebody that lives in New York and get a whole different musical aspect on life. You get a whole different change on life. And now to take this kind of segue off from music, um, even though we'll probably end up hopping right back onto it, is. Which is fine, you know. (laughs) Photography. Yeah. Like I said, taking the beauty and seeing a difference in an image. As far as you usually see on Instagram, everyone's a photographer on Instagram. All you got to do is add a certain filter effect and bam. That's still... I mean, nice to see in my mind. I mean, though, I have to admit the one thing that does piss me off is when I see someone taking a picture of a sub that they're eating with no filter on it, just a normal sub. Right. Look at, like, you had to stop that minute and honestly take a picture of your food before you ate it. And you had the sad people are like, I was so hungry, I had to stop halfway in and then take a picture. Sorry, guys. And it was like, I can't tell if you're being funny or serious, but it's like... (laughs) I. You know, a certain filter effect does change a perspective on a photo, but... I never got into getting an actual physical, like, $100 worth camera and taking the time to go do that, mostly because I'm very, like, cautious with my money when it sure. comes to things. So I just would take my phone, and I remember taking a communication arts class, which was video photography, and that's what got me designed into, like, remaking, like, scenes from Step Brothers and famous comedy movies. We learn about angle shots and learning about, like, low dramatic zooms and, like, just like low angles, high angles, side angles, stuff. I was like, what? I was like, can I just, what do you mean? And like, oh, you just hold your phone up, get a high angle of a photo going down that's a high angle. I'm like, oh okay and then I would take it to the beach and have an ocean city here just being able to take pictures of the beautiful waters I mean each wave is practically different so it's you you can bend down real low get the water just like a barely about to hit the phone and getting the little glimpses of the sand and then getting that sunlight right on the water beautiful I see that someone else just sees you laid on the ground like and took a photo That's what I did, but do you see what I'm seeing? Right, exactly. I went, pulled up into my buddy's house on Christmas Day, and I get out, and he has the um, the fir trees, like the regular Christmas trees. Oh yeah, yeah. And he has one hanging down. I'll show you this picture when we get done. And I I was like, I was looking at it, I was like, you know what that reminds me of? Like when you see a snowboarding movie and there's snow on the tree, and there's like a camera's right up against the little part of the tree where you just see the focus on the tree and the snow and like little red berries coming off of it. I was like, oh, that looks like that. Took a picture. Perfect. Put it on Instagram. I was, Everyone was like, holy crap, where'd you get that photo? I'm like, it's my buddy's house, literally. Right, yeah, It's yeah, like I literally yeah, just yeah. got out of the car, walked up. He was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to take a picture of this tree. He's like, all right, when you're done having a stroke, come inside. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but it being in uh, New York, you had to see some crazy sights that kind of made you stop and take a picture, right? Yeah,
1: it was... I mean, New York is just... I had been there before... Um, twice in but the, the two times that I had been there before I was in there very briefly um, I was kind of in and I was out and I had objectives and 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 you know on on a mission in and out of New York on a mission with a short window of time to do things so I didn't I didn't I never really had an experience where I could say I went to New York and I just did it on my own terms and I enjoyed it and I really got a chance to take Manhattan in for what it is. You can't do that in four days anyway. No, you can't do that in four days anyway, but I had a hell of a lot better chance doing it this time than I ever had before. You know, up to this point with my photography, I've, I've been, you know, in that entry-level phase where I've gone from not even owning a camera to figuring out how to use a camera to taking irrelevant images that suck to starting to get a little bit of attention and starting to care about wanting to make better images. And as this thing has been evolving and, and progressing, you know, I've, 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 I've progressed, I've grown, and I'm at a point now where in 2019, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to like legitimize what I'm doing here for, for, for a hobby, uh, for, you know, as an enthusiast and take it into a business. Um, because there have been people, over the course of the year that have asked me to do some portrait shoots, which portraits is a pretty big responsibility. I mean, this is somebody saying, I'm willing to offer you money that I have worked to earn for you to capture my likeness in a way that I find flattering. And there is value in that and I'm willing to provide you that, that, that value it's a responsibility you know um, that I, I think i think needs to be res- respected and and, and I, I did these shoots and i was kind of nervous about it you know what i mean because it's you know you want to you want to meet somebody's expectations you don't want to let somebody down and especially when you know how much there is to know about portraiture and lighting and you know how little you know in comparison to how much there is to know it's, it's it makes you nervous but i had good results I had good results, and I'm still learning. I'm still continuing to study. Photography is—it's like it's like anything else. It's—it's—it's not—it's not a it's not a destination it's a journey it's a continual you're evol- learning evolving. every single day every day it's a know? lot like a
0: trade job yeah. where it there's constantly new things being put out there new stuff you can learn you're never going to stop learning you're never going to be a master I don't think anybody can be a master at photography just like nobody's a master at music or at a certain type right. of talent right there's always something new there's always some some improvement there's always room for improvement and th- it's having that mindset that levels the playing field for everything it's that it's what keeps you off the high pedestal thinking you're better than somebody else right you're when you think you're at the same level of someone that just started photography even though you might have way better images way more experience it doesn't matter because it's it's all about how you see an image they can it, and that's that's important too. and that's
1: and that's and that's kind of why like i i went to new york like it's you know i respect the photographers around here m- many of them so so reverently um that you know i they've kind of embraced me into the community you know and 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 yeah, i've gotten some great compliments on some images and everything and you know they they address me as as one of their own and i feel fortunate But at the same time, you know, some of them are so good and they're turning out such good images that it's like, I feel like it's difficult for me to compete because even though it's communal, it's also like a friendly competition, you know what I mean? Like to see, you know, you're always in competition with yourself and to one degree or another, you're in competition with your peers, even if you get along as well as we all do. I could concentrate on taking the same images over and over again that everybody else is and just say my shot of the same thing is better or not as good as your shot of the same thing. Or I can differentiate myself not by having the better image that comes from the better camera that most of these guys have and girls um, but by I just shoot, I'm going to shoot different different things. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so that's kind of like the idea behind the New York trip. You know, like I, I did, I did the, the 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 Philly stuff the the month prior. Philly was great. Philly was really good for me. Um, I, I I I got really great. Images. It's, I think it's, it's I'm really proud of some of the images that I took in Philadelphia. But the New York thing is just I'm gonna put together a package. Um, actually, I'm not gonna put it together. I'm writing it. I'm directing it. I, I've got the footage for it. I've taken the stills for it, and a friend of mine is a very savvy editor um, with Premiere, Adobe Premiere. He does the the video editing thing, and we're going to put this together in a video. We're going to make me a promo video.
0: Once you get that and, video, send it to me, and yeah. I'll put the link in this video in description yeah, so thanks, we can man. have the people that listen to this and like. Love it because it's just so crazy and out there. I'm
1: hoping I'm hoping to have it done before Christmas, but with everything being as hectic, bo- hectic yeah. and bottlenecked as it is this time of it's year, it's the holidays. It's, man. It's the holidays Things happen slow because everybody's so busy. So if not before Christmas, which would have been the ultimate, you know, the goal, is shortly after the first of the of the, of the year. So, um, but that's the kind of like what the whole deal with that trip was is. I'm trying to turn 2019 and an opportunity into an opportunity to capitalize on a, a, a passion, um, capitalize on something that you know new the year, the, the, co- year, the community thinks you know I'm I'm good at. Even when there have been times when I've been like, yeah, I don't know if I, if, I, if, I, if I'm in the club, I, you know, I don't know if I'm if, if if I'm good enough. People have said, no, 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 no. you're you're good, you're good. You're good. You, you know what I mean? Stay around, don't give it up, and 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 because of that you know i'm developing the confidence that i need to say you know you don't have to just be an enthusiast you can do this as a as a business you can do this as a job you can you can provide this service to people and feel good about what you're doing cuz i really feel like i'm at a point now where i can start turning out some attractive work that i can make people happy with for a long time i got faith in you man you know, the first day i was there I was just there by myself, just kind of like wandering aimlessly around Manhattan. My my GPS wasn't working right. The phone was on on the fritz. And I was just, you know, your first time you're on your own foot in Manhattan. I got, a, I got a duffel bag full of like whatever, 45 pounds of clothes. Um, I got a camera bag that's full of all kind of gear and my tripod. I got a backpack that's got you know, my, my laptop and stuff, you know, and it's like, and, it's, and all of a sudden, you know, you come from being in a town that's as sleepy as this is, especially this time of year, and then you just show up, and then, then there you are in the middle of the zoo. And it was a little, you know, it was a little like, uh, it's, it's a lot to feel right now. It's, it's a vibe, you know, and, and it took a couple hours to like adjust to the vibe and the pace of everything. But then once I settled in and I found a place where I could safely store my bags and I was able to just get out into the street with just I was warm I had clothes on plenty of layers and everything it was freezing up there and my camera and once I was able to shake the baggage and I had settled into the reality that your GPS your phone's not taking you anywhere you just have to go you just have to walk and see what you see it was like the first time in a long time that I had been in that kind of environment where I didn't have a I, I didn't have a an obligation i didn't have somewhere that I had to be at x time. I was seeing things for the first time that for a while I found that I was just walking around with the camera and i wasn't even taking photos i you know or video or anything. I was just walking around just awestruck by manhattan because it, it's it's just incredible
0: well it's it's you know different from where we 're at right now it's like a small city. I mean if you want to call it that, more like a town, but it's like when you go to Vegas and they have the Paris, like the the Eiffel Tower, the miniature Eiffel Tower, Miniature Statue of Liberty. It's trying to be somewhere else. But if you physically go to that place, right. you are completely like, holy crap.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's you know, so I was kinda like realized that I wasn't taking pictures and I was like, Okay, you gotta start firing off some shots. Yeah. I kind of felt like I had some sort of responsibility to the to the city take these photos to take good pictures because I was like man you don't wanna, you don't want you don't want to fuck up Manhattan yeah you know <laughs> so so like every picture I was trying trying you know that I took I tried to take with great care and and and, and res- respect for the city um you know but it, when I when I got back and I started going over the images there's some we were in such a hurry. Like once I once I got together with with Eddie and we started running around the city. I mean, we literally slept like whatever, like four hours at a time, and the rest of the time we were either in his car, on a passenger train, the Long Island Railroad, uh, subways, cabs, buses, whatever. You know, you know what I mean. It was just like constant motion that didn't stop. So some of the pictures that i that i that i came home with once i sat down to start editing them you could see this was well composed this was this was well conceptualized a, this is a thoughtful image you know and then there are some that are like you know such great expectation at first glance but then i could see that nothing's in focus and you know it's uh, there's something in the frame or or whatever just something like that things you could see that certain photos were just rushed you know and that's what it was. I mean, it was basically just like a a blitz, run and gun. That city of, never sleeps. Kind of, kind of, kind of shoot, you know, and shooting in the day, shooting in the dark, shooting in the streets, shooting in the subway, and it was just, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was. I mean, I'll I'll never I'll, I'll never forget that trip to New York. You know, no matter how many times I go back, there's always something special about your first time oh yeah you know what i mean yeah, <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. Do, do you ever oh, find oh, it yeah.
0: funny when someone looks at you like why are you stopping right now take a picture and be like I, I got to it's like that i don't know if you've ever experienced that but and there's a couple times I've been driving, and I'm like, "Take a picture of that right now for me. Yeah. Take a picture of that right now. I will get my. I will crash us off this bridge and take a picture of that sunset right now." Right, right. And my buddy's like, "Dude, it's a sunset. Like right. it happens every day. No, it no, doesn't." You're like, "No, look at the no clouds. Way. The drama. I, I look see at it. it. We're pulling over and yeah. go, dude. Come on, we got traffic behind us. I don't care. It's like that." It's Dude, I've always been like that. Just if I was skateboarding down the thing, hop off my skateboard, my buddy goes five streets down, turns around sees I'm not following him. Where did you go? I'm in a back alley somewhere like, dude, this wall. Yeah. If you look at yeah. it from this angle, the light shining through the alley right here, it gets it perfectly. And He's that's like, what
1: happens. I mean, you develop, you know, you start to develop that eye. And you start to see things from different perspectives, and su- and suddenly everything's a subject. Sure, I'm surrounded by people that would would, would say that, you know, I, and since I've started to get in, into photography as, as as much as I am, um, that I've become somewhat of a pain in the ass in that respect. That I'm like, okay, well, look, everybody's got got their own thing that makes them a pain in the ass. Your your thing that makes you a pain in the ass is. You're an asshole, but I love you and I deal with you anyway. Yeah. My thing that makes me a pain in the ass is I'm a photographer that has to stop everywhere we go 20 times along the way to take a picture It's like a road trip, man. Just love me and deal with me. <laughs> you want to take a road trip? Well, we can take a road yeah, trip, yeah, dude. Yeah, I'd, go, I'd get along with you
0: pretty well, man. Right, dude, well, yeah,
1: we'll have a good time. Where, where sure, you going? Go,
0: the biggest ball of yarn. I would like to go see that, man. The biggest ball of
1: yarn? Dude,
0: you know taking that trip would trip where us out, Where is that? Out, I don't, even, I don't even know. Probably <laughs> somewhere in some back country. Country or something oh, he'd run God. into a bunch of stuff man that's what I wanted to do recently I wanted to go take a trip my buddy's talking about buying a Tacoma getting it all pimped out right and then taking a trip around to every single state you're freaking nuts yeah, I that's, told him that's, that that's, man, that'd be I'm awesome, like, though. he's like dude we're gonna go to Hawaii with the Tacoma I'm like you gotta cross water he goes I will get a cargo ship he was looking at cargo ships now he makes twenty dollars an hour doing like hvac and stuff yeah but he's like he's been saving his money for so long he's got four vehicles he only drives one but he's like that's all he puts all his money into his cars he's like i will sell all my vehicles and just save up for like the next 10 years and we will take this trip i'm like dude why do you want to do that he goes don't you just want to go and experience something i'm like I do, and I understand 100% what you're talking about, and I will start saving now, too. So that's what we've been doing for like the past two years, been saving our money for that.
1: Nice. That's going to be killer. That's a, I might make a suggestion, though. Leave, I don't want to
0: travel to all 50 states. Leave,
1: the, leave the Tacoma in, uh, in Cali, fly to Hawaii, rent a car. That, that's just my suggestion to your boy. You know, I mean, he's talking about you every know, time the, 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 he brings it up. I just, yeah. I, th- I think maybe those beers or whatever are getting. him, yeah. You know, he's he's thinking that putting the the, the Tacoma in a cargo ship is is going to be a good uh, decision. I don't know. I, I think there's a better way. But aside from that facet, I think what you guys are talking about sounds like a dream trip. You know what I mean? And you should go for it for sure. Like, like it's TikTok. You know what I mean? Like the clock ticks.
0: Besides seeing the biggest ball of yarn, let's go to Hawaii because you know, one thing I want to ask you about is in New York, did you see any beautiful graffiti? Because a lot of people say graffiti is trash, but I have seen some amazing spray paints and just pictures and you got to think of the creative stuff that those guys use but on those walls that some people are like I paid for this to get put on the side of my building did you witness any of that
1: yeah Uh, not okay so here's the thing about the graffiti like my buddy Eddie is an officer of sorts you know so he's he's very street wise and you know a lot of the graffiti has has been removed in in New York but there's still a a good bit of it and a, and a lot of what it is is just ter- it's 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 territorial gang art, yeah. You know, and and for what it represents, in in a lot of those cases, it, you, you know, it's it's a detriment to, 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 to see it, um, because of the activity that it represents. But there is also, I'll t- okay. So so a couple weeks prior, I I I took a day trip. To, uh, to Philadelphia. And Philadelphia has beautiful graffiti. Absolutely, somebody said, paint this building, you know. I, I put a picture on Instagram of this one building that, that was just, that had this this bizarre, magical image that I was just like, I, 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 when I posted it on Instagram, I, put, I think I put the picture up and then I made a story of it and in the story I was like, this exists in Philadelphia. And it was gorgeous. I didn't see a great deal of graffiti in New York that I felt like I had to shoot. It was like the middle of the night and we were walking across this bridge. The footpath that went across the bridge, like if you look down as you were walking, there were people that had done graffiti all over the footpath. And like it was an interesting thing because like as you're walking, like every several feet you know, you would see some sort of phrase, you know. And whether that phrase would be something that some asshole put there that would be like, go fuck yourself or something, you know, or you would walk another couple feet and then there would be like Gandhi, be the change in the world or whatever, you know what I mean? And just, you know, I kept going and I kept going and I kept going and I'm talking to Eddie and we're walking across, you know, this huge bridge. And then all of a sudden, like I look down and there's like, it just says very simply, Follow the light. And it was just the like black top, you know, asphalt, and it was written in white and like clean, intelligible script, yeah. you know, neat with like a little squiggly circle around it. Follow the light. And I just stopped and I looked at it and, and it I was like, this, Yeah, for whatever reason, follow the light. It just struck me in that moment and I and I stopped and then, you know, Eddie was like, what are you doing? And I was like, just, I'm just looking at this, this follow the light. And he was like, oh my God, come on. We got shit to do. We got places to go. What are you doing? Follow the light. Are you serious with me right now? And I was All like, no, nah, nah, I got to take, I got to take a picture of it. And I took a picture of follow the light. You know, I knew that I wanted to shoot some sort of graffiti, some sort of street art or something like that. And, and I don't know. There's probably something else in the images that I for, that I forgot, but the only thing that I can remember is that follow the light. And for whatever, for whatever 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 reason, it just struck me. You know what I mean? And that's the thing about photography is anything and everything is a, is a potential subject, and it's all it's
0: all subjective. You think that guy that wrote "Go fuck yourself" under the imagine if he wrote that under the Gandhi thing be the change you want to see in the world, and someone's just like, go fuck yourself under it. Imagine somebody writing that out like right in front of the airport, so as soon as you... Well, I'm in Philly now. And he looked down and says, go fuck yourself. Well, I'm going back hey, home hey, now.
1: Hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that might have been by design. I don't think those things were so close together. I was just using two like, yeah. extreme examples. But yeah, that would be funny. Like, you know, if somebody saw that and was like... <laughs> don't tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, for the be the change. Under. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. But one place I was saying was Hawaii,
0: man. Me and you have to go there because you will be amazed at the graffiti that you see there. They have people that, like, I mean, we just got off the airport, got into our rental car, and started driving down. We lived about, or we stayed at the hotel about 45 minutes from the airport. Yeah. And besides seeing there's a lot of homeless people there. Mm -hmm. I mean, at that point, I think they're basically wanting to be homeless, living in, like, they're all in one tent community all over this place under this giant long bridge. There's hundreds of them, just intense. tents. True. And um, there was this giant building, and the one thing of graffiti that I saw that I really enjoyed, it was the cool, or not, not the Kool-Aid man, but the Hawaiian punch kid, the little white kid with the red hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that cartoon yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, 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 And you know how he sticks his thumb up and does that whole thing? Uh-huh. Well, he had his hands open. One was the world, and it was a uh, circled around it was a life preserver. Right. Like it right. was it was perfect. I mean it looked like somebody paid millions of dollars to have that on there like a professional artist. Right. Giant on this building that was the size of a, the Hilton, like a giant sure. hotel. And it was just on the side of it and you were coming right over this bridge and you just saw that and then in this other hand was a glazed donut. And then it was inside the glazed donut was a portal. And you're like, what does that even mean? But the 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 Hawaiian Punch guy was all baked out of his mind, had a little cigarette hanging out of his mouth, (laughs) and was just sitting like that. And there was a dude on a giant one of those lifts, you know, like the people use for cleaning windows and stuff. And he was spray painting, like touching it up. I'm like, some guy that owns that building paid to have that. Yeah, it's great. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, but who's got to live there? There's not an old person living there. Like, I don't want the stone fruit man. Or a fruit punch guy hanging outside my, or like you know, yeah, on the side yeah. of my house, like, oh, just take a left by, uh, you know, that dog down there, and then you'll see this giant house that has the the stone fruit punch guy. Yeah, I live in there. I live in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's but classic.
0: It's stuff like that, like I I see people's talents with that, and like a lot of kids when I was in school was there was a. Everyone would call them weird kids that would draw all the time or Mm -hmm. be really into art. That kid's not weird. That kid's got something figured out. He's found a passion of his hobby is obviously drawing shit. The farthest, I mean, I could draw, but the farthest, I enjoyed a good coloring book. I mean, I like doing you know color inside the lines and you know that type of stuff, but. I never found my talent for just doing that, but I admire the beauty now and I'm so happy I do because a lot of my friends that I hang out with and I see them walk on the streets and they're totally missing these beautiful images, whether it's a sign that's broken in a certain way. A lot of times when I go and shoot photography, I go by myself. It's not that I want to be by myself. I don't have a I'm not around that cult that that group, that community that clicks to take photography. You know, that's something I might want to end up looking into, hanging out with other photographers and going out and because they would see everything how I would see.
1: Well, and that, I don't even know if particularly they would they would see everything exactly how you how you would see it because I've done that. I've done I've done, you know, some shoots where I've gone out and paired up with other photographers. And, and it, I, I think it's, it's great. I think photography can be a very individualistic thing, it's, you know, um, and, but it, it's, it's also something that can be shared. And when you do share it, when you get together and you do, you, you do things, um, you know, the first time I ever operated my, 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 fir- my first camera, my first camera that I got, my first DSLR. The first time I ever shot it in the dark, I was with uh, Tyler Horton.
0: Yeah, and you he's know, someone I want to have on here too.
1: Yeah, yeah, Tyler. Tyler's, he'll be a great. He'll be a great conversation. He's he 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 gabs. He gabs. Tyler definitely. I, gabs.
0: I know him from my childhood going yeah. camping. Him doing Yoda impressions at my school.
1: <laughs> yeah, like that stuff was hilarious. And uh, and Tyler called me one night and he was like, "Hey man, I'm going to go to Assateague and, and fire off some night shots. You want to go?" And I was like, well, oh, I, I haven't shot in the dark." And I didn't even realize it that shooting in the dark was was a thing that I wanted to do up until that point where he invited me to go. It was just like the nighttime was just that time of the day where you stopped be stop shooting because you ran out of light. And you know, he was like, "Nah, there's settings. You know, you adjust your ISO and turn it up, and I'll open your aperture." And you know, is, let's go do it, and I'll show you some things. And you know, and and, and we went, and we did it, and. He, you know, his, his camera that he was shooting with at the time was, you know, superior camera. He had already been into photography for some time at that point, whereas I was just getting into it. And I think the camera was, like, freezing up. It was giving me some kind of fit. It wasn't really working well. But even when it was working well, like, his images were significantly better than mine. But I was... I I, I was producing images from the dark with this camera, this thing that only months ago I had bought at a pawn shop used, and I felt like, so herein lies the benefit of partnering with like-minded people that are doing the same thing, is you learn. You learn, you might go through 500 YouTube videos and never come across one that says learn how to shoot night photography, because you're in whatever feed you're in, but a buddy calling you and says, let's go do night photography. That's the, that's the meat and potatoes. That's, 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 that's why you leave yourself open to have some community, experience some community, be your own thing, develop your own style, hone your own craft, but at the same time, share it and, and, and in sharing it, share your information, um, one of the better local photographers to come out of this area is he doesn't live here anymore. He lives in Tampa, Florida, but it's Tony Townsend. Tony is is, is just, I mean, the guy is just, I mean, you can't really say more about his work. He's hes world-class photographer. He's just awesome, awesome. And he's such a wealth of knowledge. And Tony, logistically, with as smart as he is and as much as he knows, he could be one of these assholes that just stays self-absorbed and self-indulgent and and hoards his information and feels entitled to, I had to figure it out for myself or whatever. It's mine, I don't have to share it with you. But that's not his bag, that's not his thing. He's too cool for that. So whenever you have a question and you call Tony, Tony, 98 times out of 100 is gonna have the answer right now, today, and he's gonna share it with you. Those other two percentages of the time, he's gonna find it online or from another photographer or whatever resources he's had. And then he's gonna call you back. Yeah. So these are the type of people that I'm, you know, that I'm like influenced by, like at the local level, you know, people that are willing to share information, people that you know celebrate my imagery when they like it. I, I celebrate their imagery, and you know, and we and we, and it's there's a community to it. And, and I like that. I like community, you know, just like I like the community in, in, in music and art and the other facets of our culture.
0: It's definitely good to be around positive people that think a lot like you do and sometimes can think differently than you. There was one guy I used to hang out with and he had the worst type of personality trait where he thought getting the best equipment was what made it. And I remember I was using my phone to take these photos. And I sent you a couple of photos of when I stacked rocks and when I would get the sunset. I I have so many of those. But I was using a phone. I was using a regular, like an Android phone back before the iPhones we have now. And I was just seeing it in a different way. He would see that, and I got him interested in doing, um, I called it Rock Stack Sunday. I would do it every single Sunday, mostly because I was inspired by the band Revolution with their one album, Count Me In, where. They had the rocks yeah. stacked on the yeah. front cover. Yeah, yeah, record. So I was like, I'm going to start doing that. And then I started getting it. Like, I'd sit there for, like, 30 minutes before the sun would go down, and I would time it so they would hit right on top of the rocks. I have a couple of them where I got the picture right on top of the rocks. And, like, I remember I still have the rocks in my car today, man. They're behind my driver's seat, and there's just <laughs> a stack of rocks. Every time someone gets in the back seat, they're like, why are there a stack of rocks back here? I'm like, oh, I used to take rock stacks. So like, what? And they start going on my Instagram and looking at it. Yeah. I got him. Like I showed him the pictures I was taking with these rock stacks. Next thing I know, I see on Sunday, like before. My, he knows at what time I post them. At like ten. At nine o'clock, he puts up his. He did one. Right. But he bought an eight hundred dollar camera, a professional one, and was like, "Mine's way better." No, dude. I'm sorry to tell you, it's not even like if it was better than my photo, I would let you know, but it does it's not the equipment that makes the photo man Yeah. That, sometimes yeah. It, it can add a hell of a lot more detail but also if I catch it at a different angle than you even with a crappy piece of like Polaroid something it's it, it can still be good like it could still be better than yours and people are like I like your photo better than his and he would go oh, they don't know what they're talking about and he would go off and be like look I every hobby that you had he would buy the more expensive thing as soon as he tried it with you like you could introduce it to him he would go out and buy the most expensive thing for it and then think he was the best. Right, right. It does that doesn't make you the best. I guarantee you, if you put me on a million dollar skateboard and then you put Sean White on a crappy Cardboard, plastic, whatever you want to call it, yeah, little yeah. one dollar piece of crap. He's going to be a, still a hell of a lot better than me. Yeah, and yeah, that's just yeah, because yeah. it's not talent. The person's traits are just different from your own, and the way I can capture an image with a piece of crap phone.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing is a cell phone screen is kind of like it's kind of like the level playing field. Yeah, and 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 what I mean by that is you know regardless of the quality of your camera, whether it's the camera in the phone or if it's uh, attachments a, a, you added to it. Attachments, or 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 a, like a Canon like T1I, which is like the base entry level Rebel, or like a a one DX, which is the flagship six seven eight thousand dollar Canon DSLR, or the Sony's, or or the Nikon's, or the the the, the Olympus, the, whatever else is out there, the cell phone screen levels the playing field because all of those cameras are shooting with a resolution of somewhere between like you know depending on the age of them somewhere between like 10 12 and 15 to 30 and 50 megapixel and you know megapixel isn't the only thing that matters when it comes to image quality a lot of people get wrapped up in more megapixel, more megapixel, more megapixel. And, and, and when it comes to enlarging things, yeah, the, the megapixel is going to matter when you're doing enlargement prints and everything. But anything over 30, you can blow up a 30 megapixel print and, and, and turn it into a billboard. So anything above and beyond that, you don't really need unless you're into real specialty things. And regardless of whether it's a 50 megapixel, a 30 megapixel, a 12 megapixel, whatever it is, they're all gonna have pretty much the same resolution when you compress it down to the size of an image that fits on a cell phone screen. So, whether you're taking a picture with the Canon 1DX or the Nikon D6 or a Canon 80D or your your your, your iPhone or, or, or whatever it is, if you take the picture correctly, if you expose correctly, which Cell phone cameras have settings in them now. Where you know, once upon a time, Contrast, you know, when, when it came, when it used to be, when cell phones, but it was just regular. Like you press the button, and the exposure you got was the exposure you got. Yeah. Well, now there's apps where you can adjust your exposure and your sharpness, and you know, you can your focus, and you can do all these things. Now, it makes it so that the playing field is is leveled. Now, the one thing that I think is is lacking from from cell phone photography by default because the lens on it has to be so small and the sensor on it has to be so small to fit into such a package with everything else that's going on in here that you just, with the glass, you can't really get the depth of field that you can get by using an actual optical lens that has multiple elements, you know, so where you can get something real sharp and focused right in front of you and then blur out the background, make the background all buttery, smooth and creamy. You can do these things with the DSLR, and you can't do it with, with with the cell phone. Now, there's probably apps out there. I don't know. I don't. I, I, I'm not very app knowledgeable. Um, there's probably apps out there where you can like make your own. They call that effect where like things are blurred out around the focal point, the focus point of an image. It's called, it's called bokeh. And there's probably like. Boca.com where you can buy your own Boca to put on cell phone apps to make it look like it was shot with a DSLR. So it's amazing. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of photographers get wrapped up in the whole. Uh, I shoot a DSLR. I'm a real photographer, you know. But there's a guy, one of the guys that's been in, inspiring me to kind of chase down photography professionally, more so than anybody else. Is this guy's is you know is real popular YouTube vlog dude. His name's Peter McKinnon. Mm-hmm. And, and one of his vlogs is, I shot a wedding on my phone. And it's like, you know, it's like a 15, 20 minute vlog where he goes through, he basically packages an entire story of how, you know, I've got a Canon 1DX, I've got a Canon it's 5D Mark IV, I've got, and he goes through his whole equipment rig of all the cameras and all the lenses he's got. And then he gets to the end of it and he's like, and I'm gonna go shoot this wedding on my cell phone and you're like what you know and then it shows he does b-roll you know where he takes you through and shows you him shooting the entire way and then he goes through at the end sequence and he runs through the images and, the, and it's they're beautiful you know what i mean they're beautiful images and 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 it's like you know he obviously had to do a little post-production. He had to run them through Lightroom or Photoshop to get them crispy, you know, the way yeah. he wanted them to be and everything. But, you know, the, the, the point of the matter is, is that if anybody's going to say, if anybody's going to legitimately have grounds to say, I'm a badass, real thing photographer, Peter McKinnon can say that. Peter McKinnon can also say, but I can shoot a whole wedding with my cell phone. Yeah. So does that does that make me less of a photographer because I shot an event with my cell phone?
0: It's all how you see an image.
1: Right. Exactly. So so yeah. You know. I mean, whatever tool you have at your disposal. You know, like I'm fortunate right now when I'm playing guitar, on, on a nice Taylor guitar. I didn't start out on a nice Taylor guitar. I started out on a beater Ibanez that had chunks missing from it squeaked and hissed when I plugged it in. At that point, when I was grinding it out and I was still doing those early shows, I was still in the game. I was still qualified. I was still defined as a musician because yeah. I was doing the thing. My gear sucked. My gear was beating the shit. I, you know, I didn't look like the part with regard to my gear, but what I was doing with it was, I was, I was, I was holding my own. You know what I mean? Even though I didn't have the the tailor at that time, what I was doing with my beater Ibanez, I was putting on just as good a show as anybody else.
0: Yeah, I mean, the difference between... uh, I mean, it would be nice to have an $8,000 like Stratocaster or something like that, like some badass something, you know, where you see like, holy shit. But it's also (laughs) not bad. Um, Some people that start out with just a $200 electric guitar that they got probably hand-me-down from their... Parents that was theirs when they were your age, and it's held together by basically duct tape and glue. Right, right. I mean, as if they can play music that sounds good, and you know, it's it's good to them. That's there's no difference. I mean, the talented people, the, a lot of these artists that came up and became who they are today, having so much, and you see them give away guitars, like the guy from Metallica that gave a uh, guitar away to like a super fan, and the guy was like, what, and gave him a hug and everything. You know, he probably he didn't probably have that much money to have an instrument in the first place. A lot of these bands were scraping by, but they were putting it all into their hobby and their interest yeah. and it, that's yeah. how they crafted it. And that's with any passion. It just as if anybody can take a step into pursuing whatever you want to do, whether it's photography, whether it's comedy, whether it's music, whether it's whatever, if you want to be a professional arm wrestler like someone I've interviewed, like as long as you're putting the time and effort into doing that, You're not going to fail. Right. I
1: think it's okay to obsess.
0: It's 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 not. There's definitely a a good and bad thing to it. I think being overly obsessed about it, where like you don't want to, you're being if you're aggressive towards anybody, is is not very good. Oh well, but of course. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. When yeah. you're
0: obsessed about something and you care so much for it that you're willing to put in any time in the world, every every little bit of effort you have, a hundred and twenty percent all into it. Yeah. Then that that's beautiful, and uh, it it really it sometimes it takes people their whole life to even try and find that and I didn't realize I'm glad I found a passion with podcasting and it was weird I've been listening to podcasts for years now and the fact that I would have this uh, these three hour ones that would go on in my head and I'd be working out and I'm sitting there listening to just Joe Rogan talk and I'm like it finally clicked one day I was like wait a minute and it also really started when I hit speech class, right. and when that when that clicked for me, I used to be so shy I didn't want to talk in front of anybody because so I was told I was annoying all the time because of how much I talked. I
1: never found you to be annoying, but you were you were noticeably quiet coming up that, because you, you know, a reserved sort of.
0: When I got older, it was like I need to stop talking around people because it. I need to just you know let them be, let everyone do their own thing, which I like. I still do now, right. but I, I, I tend I tend to be more... I was very introvert, let's say. I just felt like opening my mouth would cause somebody to be able to tell me to shut up or not like me. So I always kept it shut. And then finally, I was listening to podcasts and working out all the time. I was just started talking to people that I would see at the gym. They're like, older people would come up to me and be like, look, you're here every single day. You haven't missed a day. What's your name? And I'm like, my name's Robbie. It's nice to meet you, man. They're like, I did not expect you to be like that. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, usually kids your age are an asshole, and I'm like, well, I'm not. I'm just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to bother anybody when I'm in here. Like, did you talk to me whenever, so whenever I come in, everyone's like, what's up, Robbie? I'm like, what's up, man? How you right. doing? And, you know, right. I know them, like the fire department people that are there. and That's
1: all just that's how you carry yourself. That's how you interact with people. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't you're of the age now where I don't see you as a kid anymore. You know, I mean, I can I can remember a time when you were the kid, Robbie. You're the young man, Robbie, now. And and I know what you mean when you say, you know, when you talk about other people that are your age that you're, you're, you're comfortable, like by default, addressing them as kid because maybe they still act like it. Yeah. Maybe they still carry, maybe they still have kid-like interests, kid-like behaviors, kid-like interactions, and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and i don't think when you become a certain age i don't think you're necessarily entitled to shake off kid as a title you know what i mean like just because you become 18 a kid anymore maybe that's what the government says on paper for legality purposes but my parents you know, always like to rub
0: in my face until i turn 21 so that, yeah. that's
1: in 2 weeks so so like they're, but they're like you know i know i know, I know human beings in their early 20s, 23, 24, whatever, that are, you know, that still, you know, I look at them and I'm like, you're such a 12 year old, like, what are you, what are, what are you doing in, in this body, yeah. you know? And, and then there, 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 there are people that I know that are even younger than that, you know, and, the, and just 20 or 21 or that, that behave and think and have mentalities of like it's so that exceeds some 30 and 35 year olds i know yeah so that's the, it's just like kind of you know your own thing that's your experience up, your experience your your experience your influence your soul your 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 your, your, your will your intent my you
0: grandfather's know? 68 years old and he hides candy from his wife I'm like, I, I, I get it. You're a grown ass man, and you're hiding Reese's cups like, in pots and pans. Yeah, my dad
1: was the same way. You know, so I, so I, I, I see this going on. Uh, He's like, she won't let me have any. I'm like, but you talk all this trash, how
0: you're a man, you're gonna have candy, and then as soon as she comes home, you, you're immediately <laughs> turned into this dog no. with his tail in between his legs. It's funny. That's funny. Because she, she's she's a little bit like hunched over, so she doesn't. We have pots and pans that hang up at their house where she doesn't even reach them. They're just decoration. He tapes Reese's cups into the pots. To the inside, pan. around the back yes. side. Yes. So, yes. so I go and I'm going to cook and I go to fill it up with water. There's a Reese's cup sitting in the thing, and he'll throw candy at me. He's got a giant freezer in his shed where only he has the key to and she knows there's candy back she's there. having a
1: great time he's what, like 70 years old right he goes and he's still behaving like a child like a child yeah and he's probably ha- in his head he's probably having a ball with himself yes he's loving
0: it he's loving life he's loving it but it's funny she's the type of person let's go out to eat let's go out do all this stuff he's right. like i just want to sit here and watch you know old one dollar movies you can get by like 50 for a dollar uh, at a uh, dollar store and you come back and he's got candy trash like, candy bar wrappers all over his chest. He's falling asleep <laughs> in his chair. They're all over the floor. She comes in like, oh, my God. And he's got a little drawer by his nightstand. You open it up, there's nothing in it but two TV remotes. You're like, what? And I remember one day he was gone. I was like, he's got something hidden under here. I pull the whole drawer out and flip the drawer over. Under the drawer. Under the floor of the drawer. It's taped candy bars. Full-length movie candy bars. taped. I Just love bam, this bam, 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 bam it looked like a like when you see the ballista vests like the guys in the army that have the bullets wrapped around it yeah like yeah, that yeah taped on the drawer going to movies and he lifts up his glove box i'm like i got five bucks on me i'm gonna go get some snow caps he gave me the best advice in the world don't waste your money on snow caps i said dude it's chocolate man i'm a kid i'm like i'm gonna want i'm gonna want that All Right. he goes let me show you something opens up his glove box juji fruits He goes, take these. I go, this is old man candy. He goes, trust me. He goes, it's like pops, but it's not. Those little things you put in your mouth, like little gobstop things, and Mm -hmm. you sit there and you chew. I was eating that, I only ate a quarter of the box, but I would tear up snow caps in the first five minutes of the movie. Right. Those Swedish fish and those uh, got
1: juju fruits, they last...
0: You're go home after four hours after the movie's over.
1: Yeah, you can brush your teeth like four times and there's still there. stuff stuck I in there. Those you're like,
0: for three days. I'm like, yeah. I can't get this stuff out. But yeah. it's like He's like, how much of those Gigi fruits you eat? And I'm like, only half the box. And I'm like, I'm still going through. I have them saved. And he's you taste
1: like, it for the whole movie. He goes, know? I
0: have them too. And that's what he gave me those best advice. So whenever I go to the movies, if I'm going to get a box of candy, it's Gigi fruits or Swedish fish. Because that man taught me a life lesson. Yeah. And that and going to the dollar store right down the road and p- picking up candy and walking into the movie theater. Because, I mean, it's ridiculous to pay eight bucks for snacks. But he goes to Walmart and buys family-sized bags of candy and he's got a freezer in in his shed, throws them right in there. She'll go, can you go out, um, and uh, you know, go mow the lawn or something? He goes, yeah, I'm gonna go work on the lawnmower. Broke down. All right, that lawnmower's so old. He's in I'm there like sure stuffing in his face anymore. full of three no. musketeers. <laughs> he has the lawnmower pulled up. It's flipped over so he's like fixing the blades and I walk over, he'll be fixing his toolbox real quick. I'm like, "What are you doing?" I walk over, he lifts up the toolbox or I thought you're a grandma. He lifts up the toolbox, nothing but candy bars, like little Kit yeah. Kats and all those things shoved in a drawer. I'm like, "Why are you hiding?" He goes, "I'm not allowed to have any." I'm like, but you're a grown ass man he goes you don't understand once you get married and sometimes he'll throw it out like I'm a grown ass man I do what I want and then gets in the house and he's like a dog with his tail in between yeah. he's like, yeah. but she eats Reese's Cups too she's all into that too but she's like oh no you can't have any and then he'll take she'll take his candy away and then she'll, he'll walk away and be like whatever and then he'll just reach down to his drawer and pull out another one the same thing
1: she just took from him I celebrate him I celebrate him I think he's doing it it's a man with a spirit yeah he's got a spirit He's got a spirit.
0: Whether it's enjoying candy bars, but just
1: enjoying life, man. Yeah, I love this expression and I hate this expression at the same time, but people say I have somewhat of a Peter Pan complex. What do you mean by that? Well, like, like you know... Fairytale you know, perspective you know, Well, like, Well, just not necessarily fairytale, but like forever young, I st- I'm i still very you-ish in a lot of ways, you, you know what I mean? I'm still like like I, I I've done what I've done, I've had the experiences that I've had, and the calendar has certainly moved the way it has the wisdom that I have now from the from the additional time that i've that I've had, but there's still a part in of, of me that is still twenty years old, yeah, you know what i mean and 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 i i I still want to be connected to that that twenty year old version of me. When I'm 80, you know what I mean. Don't lose your inner kid. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I think that happens to so many people, whether it's for reasons of like, and and I know some people, you know, they deal with things, you know, they're forced to grow up. Losses, you know, and I've been forced to grow up too. But some people, when they're
0: like, when they get put in a position, like, they're if they have a family member that dies and they have to become the supportive role. Same thing happened with my grandfather when he was in the army and his dad died, and he had to go home and support his whole family, his siblings and everything. When he had to go do that, he was forced to cut out all the childhood games of going out and drinking and going out into bars and stuff and do that. And he had to force to be the man that brought home everything yeah. and yeah. was supportive. Now there is that, but he still found his inner kid as he got older and is now enjoying life. He's he's in and that's yeah, that's Hawaii what some people right do. Now,
1: that's so. what some people do in that you know when they have a portion of their youth subtracted from their timeline because they had to take on a responsibility or an obligation like that. You know, it's it's not okay. Well, let me tap back into that. It's I miss that. Whatever I'm, I'm whatever I'm, 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 six now. Whatever, but I never got a chance to be twenty. I'll just be twenty now that I'm fifty six. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's okay. <laughs> you know, why, some why some she... people might look at somebody that behaves that way and think, oh, they've lost their mind. Look at they're having a crisis. But, and I look at something that goes on yeah. like that, and I'm like, you. Get it.
0: Yeah. You know? Why should someone think that you have to drink, uh, like, a coffee with your pinky up? Why would someone think that you have to be elegant like that just because you're a certain age? Hell no. If you enjoy... My grandpa will do a coloring book with uh, my... My uh, half-sister, like, seven years old, will do a coloring book, and he'll be more into it than she is. She'll be like, I don't really want to do this. She's like, but if you draw like, Like, that's how I'm We can be. make this purple. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at all these different colors. Like... <laughs> grandma brought him the 32 pack of Mm crowns like stuff like that like that's something I definitely want to aspire to be because why shouldn't you enjoy life why shouldn't you have fun and the people that look at the world all pissed off I understand you might have had a hard time but stop reflecting on that stop bringing your emotional past into life Right. find a hobby find a passion half of the comedians that I listen to and I enjoy and I have that sense of stupid humor that my mom gets so pissed off about when she's like, why are you cracking a fart joke right now? I'm like, cause that's what why like, it's funny. Cause I can, there's, there's, yeah, there's comedians. That I listen to a, a podcast that him and his wife talk about people shitting sometimes. Sometimes they talk about the shits they take. That's just funny to me. And it's funny to see somebody think of that, like somebody to have that connection with someone that they love. And it's, it's something I definitely want to have if if I ever you know get married one day. I want to, I want to have a type of relationship where I don't have to hide or put on this fake persona. For, because that's what I feel like ends a lot of stuff. And it's it's a thing a lot of people do. They mask their true selves in public, of being afraid of what someone um, is going to think of them. And that's a lot of how I thought in the past couple of years, just being called annoying and everything, and thinking that if I talked, it was a crime. And now that I'm able to speak out and, you know, I not care what anybody says, really just doing it for me. If I want to be happy, I'm going to be happy. And the, just having that whole change on reality, it it, it it changed my whole view on the world.
1: Yeah, you owe it to yourself to be yourself um, for, for, for sure, but you also owe it to the people you interact with. Yeah. Because when you, when you behave a certain way that's outside of yourself... Um, like say you put on a certain front or, a persona, to, yeah. or persona to make somebody feel a certain way about you or think of you in a certain light, but it's really not who you are. Not only are you not being true to yourself, but eventually your true self is going to come out. So this fake version of yourself that you're giving to somebody is what this new person in your life comes to accept as who and what you are and that's what they're attracted to or disattracted to. So they invest themselves in you because they they they, they they're they're attracted to you and but that's but they they're attracted to to a front. They're yeah. attracted to 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 to, a, to an altered version of yourself that you that you altered because you, you're uncomfortable with being yourself or whatever. But then eventually you fall into I'm back to being myself now and they don't and that, like you. And that person is like well, f- who the fuck are you? Yeah. You know, like all, me. The, all of a sudden, this is the truth. Yeah. You're name. like, who the, what the fuck is going on with you? That's got you acting and behaving the way that you are. Like, I don't even fucking recognize you. And you know, then they eventually they divulge. Well, this is me. And you know, you're kind of like, I just don't fucking know if I would have like spent uh, the all, that r- r- all the, with the time you, yeah. with you. You know, if I'd have known that you, you, you were this, you pur- were putting on a front. And right. Front. Right. Yeah. So I think it's as you go through life, you learn, you have a few of these interactions, hopefully as few as possible, but you see how not only do you disserve yourself when you're not yourself, but you can also disserve good people that are around you that are willing to invest themselves in you by wasting their time too. You never go wrong with being yourself. Sometimes being yourself puts you in a position where somebody has an opportunity to say I don't like your character, I don't like your energy, your, you your, your, your enthusiasm. You can work on things, you know, you could say, well, you know, this is a skill I need to develop. This is a, a personality trait that I need to nurture to change things. You know, people do adapt. You know, people say by default people don't really change a great deal by nature, but at the same time, there are facets of your personality that you can develop and work on and nurture over time that doesn't make you your end result. I think, you know, in, in, I, you, I don't think any, anybody that arrives at the end of life in the same frame of mind, having the same personality that they started out with, I think they've somehow missed the point of an opportunity to evolve. You know, and I think everybody should take an opportunity to evolve. And you can't evolve if you don't take cues from the world and the people around you. But at yeah, the same time. If you're time, closed
0: off, that you're not getting any any feedback from anything right, either. Right. It, you know, it, the, a, a lot of people just live their whole life in a shell. Yeah. And that's what I thought I wanted to do for the longest time, just being absorbed by. I'm glad by, you broke out. Be, yeah, <laughs> being absorbed by video games and then is eventually when I started um, like going to college and getting over that because I thought I had a really bad like social anxiety. I would be scared to go to school. I remember faking illnesses just because of being bullied really bad, and then yeah. I took. Yeah, just I took, had
1: like anxiety. you didn't want to be there. It
0: was like it, it was the constant fear of being like, uh, you know, I'm I can't go anywhere. I, I'm stuck here. I I don't like being here because I get made fun of. Mostly, it's, teachers were making fun of me. I had very few teachers care about me. It was just the fact that like I my mind was rolling so fast. Like even talking to you in this podcast where we've been back and forth. Chattering like crazy, man. We've always been talking for two hours now, and it's it's flown by.
1: I swear, dude. We're at we're at hour uh, forty three. Yeah,
0: flew by in a blink. See, like I was telling you, man. Don't worry about trying to think of an hour of stuff. Our conversation's gonna flow, man. Yeah, and like I'm saying, it's the fact that like once we like once you get into this connective thing, it, it 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 becomes so much like something so beautiful too. Like you understand that this only felt like and maybe at the tops of an hour. So it's almost been two hours, man. Right, yeah, yeah, it feels like the half shit, the time dude. it's been. And it's like, I, I, when I edit this, there's probably gonna be no pauses in this. Right. That's just cause of the fact that we were flowing so quick back and forth with conversation. But when you're told that you're annoying and all this stuff when you're growing up and you become introvert, And for the longest time, I was introverted. I put myself into a spot where I wasn't getting texts anymore. I wasn't getting calls anymore. Nobody wanted to hang out anymore because every time they would text me or call me, I would deny them Mm -hmm. that... Like pleasure or happiness that they wanted from me, that they were going to get from me, from just seeing me. I stopped visiting my friends. I didn't want to drive anywhere. I mean, even sometimes now, just with work being how it is in school, I don't really feel like on my day off doing anything. Well,
1: that's just because you're overwhelmed and busy. Yeah, and and you're tired. You're not not hiding. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Right. But
0: at the same time, I force myself to get up in the morning. I mean, not like you know, like I have to get out of bed because I have to do this. <clears throat> right. No, it's four in the morning. It's five in the morning. You're, I'm going go to go downstairs, make a coffee, go to the grocery store, get some groceries when the store opens up, go get shit done. I went and washed my car today. Yeah. I got wa- cleaned out the whole inside for breezed it. Like, I mean, I got all the <laughs> nice. air fresheners in there. So that yeah. my car smells amazing when I hop in and I I got all this stuff, got gas, did everything, cleaned out my fridges in my garage, cleaned up my room. I did a bunch of shit. And it was like, this was all before I was going to head here just to podcast with you. I was like, I got a list of shit to do. I'm not going to be lazy today. And back a year from now, I wouldn't have even dared. I had this strict habit. I'm going to go to work, come home, do school, go to the gym, go to sleep. Same routine, over, over, over. Again. Right, right. After months and months and months of doing that, I would. My parents would constantly ask me, "Are you okay? Are you happy? Are you all right? Like, is there something wrong? Why aren't you going out and having fun with your friends?" I, I know. That I know
1: people that are in the same cycle. You right and now. it's
0: it's 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 a comfortability factor, and I have friends that are in it now, and I know I'm like, dude, you just got to you got to say fuck it, and you got to do it. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, when I tell you we're going to shoot a podcast, I'm coming over. You don't have a chance to say yes or no. We're going to do this. Because I know once I'm there, like once you're out and doing it, you enjoy it. But just the fact, the buildup of going to do it seems like too much. And that's a lot of what people deal with when it comes to depression. Yeah, yeah. And... Like, uh, that was a big thing for me too, I was getting depressed for a while because after just like not having anybody text you anymore, not wanting to text anybody, not wanting to do anything, not wanting to call anybody, just being kind of blocked off from the world, you get set into such a comfortability factor where you just roll around yourself and it's hard to interact with the world. I definitely think everyone needs to break out of that. And understand if you're comfortable, you can do that sometimes, That's not, I'm not objecting to that. But don't be closed off from people forever. Don't be closed off from your passions or goals or something that you might want to do. I always wanted. Or your to be,
1: relationships. Yeah, you know.
0: I always wanted to be in my like, from when I was a little kid. I wanted to be famous. That's every little kid's little, <laughs> like. I want to be famous. Me, astronaut. I want to be president. <throat> that type of thing. But I. I, what I thought I could get it from was music just because of my parents right. I don't have that musical talent like they do I don't have that not that I can't do it it's just I don't have the wantingness to do that I want someone to scream my name but I would rather them scream it when they see me in a movie or when they see me in a, a, a comedy performance something that I figured out I can use my vocalization of words to get on stage and do something I always wanted to be an actor but I was too afraid to get in front of the camera because I didn't like how I looked I was made fun of being overweight. I was being a bunch of stuff and that's a lot where my passion came from for the gym. Always constantly wanting to change my appearance. But I mean it's it's a factor. Yeah, but of, look
1: now you're in great shape.
0: Yeah. Well, you I, you know, I work you know, out every day. Yeah. Like, hours, yeah.
1: But, you know what I mean? So it's, it, I mean that's what I was talking about. Obsessiveness. You're still the same person you were when you were unfortunately being made fun of for being overweight. Because yeah. I think that's a, that's a horrible thing for anybody to have to Listen to it's, it's bullshit, um, but at the end of it, you know, you, you're still the same person now that you were then. And but I, you, but you've evolved physically, yeah. and that's like you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually. That's what I was talking about when I was talking about the the, the people. People don't change who they are, but they but they change facets of themselves. Yeah, they're, and they're that's definitely. what I was saying. You know, you've evolved intellectually. You know, you've evolved emotionally. You don't have the you don't have the the hindrance, yeah. the, the the fear, the anxiety about speaking anymore. You know, there's there's so many things about you that are in in only a year's time. And the in way a, I think of now, if I thought of my thought
0: back how I did in high school. I've had people that made fun of me contact me now because they see an Instagram picture of when I flash my abs on Instagram, but I right. crack jokes on it. I'm at like 3% body fat, so I'm pretty- You're all ripped up. I'm pretty shredded. Yeah. So when I post it up, everyone's like, you should eat like a pizza or something, man. How do you get that six pack? I'm like, yeah. 80% lighting, 20% effort. That's all <laughs> it is, literally. It's literally right. The right after you're worked out so hard and you get the right- picture in the mirror and then after you drink something or have some fluids in you that abs go away Right, Right. and it's like I always joke around about it because I see all the bodybuilders that post up ab pictures they joke about it too some of them level with you you're not going to have that 24-7 and I've had the people that made fun of me and I mean uh, back when I was in high school I would have been like you know, fuck you. I don't want to help you out. How dare you ask me? You made fun of me growing up. Right. No, that mindset now, they're crying to me. Hey man, how do I get a six pack? I'm really out of shape. I drink too much. I need to change my body. Right. And I'm like, Do it, you got to do it for yourself, man. Yeah, I'm willing to give you the nutritional advice. I helped one of my friends who was at 235, he's now down to 185. He lost like 60 pounds in five months. He looks completely different, and he's a hell of a lot. Is that healthy
1: that much weight? And that, yes, that's that's... he's
0: he's an Italian guy, right? So he was eating nothing but pasta and breads, pasta and breads, didn't go to the gym at all, didn't do any of that, was just depressed, and now He's lost weight, he's like wearing slimmer clothing, constantly taking selfies. I've never seen this side of him before of taking pictures of himself and putting it up in the mirror. Constantly putting transformation photos. You know, he did it the healthy way. He literally asked me, what do I do? I said, go to the gym. You don't have to go every day like me. I'm compulsive when it comes to that. But change your eating habits. What do you mean change my eating habits? You're Italian, right? Okay. Lay off the pasta. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's Not a so many thing. meatballs. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah. A little lower on the <laughs> sauce. No, but he did that. He cut out a lot of the carbs and pastas he was doing and he dropped weight fast. And he was like, yeah. And he worked out on a steady routine. You know, he messaged me. He's like, you're going to the gym? I'm like, yeah, man. I'm going to go every single night. I will always be there. I have not missed a day in almost five years now. I said I'm not. I'm not. Don't plan on missing one anytime soon. Right. Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to keep this up forever, but if I'm gonna keep going until I, you know, until, until I, I can't, can't. Yeah. do it. Until
1: I can't. Yeah. And um, he
0: was like, "All right, man. He, I, just having me there would push him to go and do it." And it, it was. It, it's good to see. And that's that. what's
1: great about being influential. Yeah. You know what I mean? People think when the people think of the word influential, they, they they typically tend to have like a grandiose stigma that goes on. I with think of it. Johnny Depp. Yeah, exactly, like grand, Johnny Depp, you know, political figures, actors, people that are high key like that, you know, it's they're, they're influential on a mass scale. But that doesn't mean that just because they have that mass scale influence that the that, that basic scale influence that you and I are in a position to be able to conduct isn't, isn't a tangible real thing. You know what I mean? Because it is. You could be, You're influencing somebody yeah. to do something that's going to better, better themselves. This guy's going to get in the gym, he's losing weight, he's transforming his body because he says, hey, not this guy that's way up here on the Johnny Depp rung, rung of the ladder but this guy that's here lateral with me on the same rung of the ladder did this thing so this is. I'm going to follow his lead. And there's some there's something gratifying about being in a position to be able to do that, you know? And, and 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 when you can and you see the result about it, you know, you realize at that point I had a choice that I could have made. I could have I could have turned my back on this guy for when he called me an asshole in high school. I could have I could have when this guy asked me for help, I could have responded by saying, Well, what have you ever done for me? I could have been that guy. I could have said these things. I could have had that outlook and that perspective, but I chose. I made a choice to say, "All right, look. Let me help you out. Let me show you the way." And then you see the transformation in them over time, and and that's that's the benefit of your choice. A point that people miss a lot of times in their life is have is is having those opportunities to make those choices. Because you can affect somebody for the positive without really putting yourself out. Yeah, you're not inconveniencing yourself. And it yourself. can also
0: be like a trickle down effect too, where you help this person out, and then they change their in, in like perspective, and then right. they help a next person. And that's when you get into karma and that down whole thing, and down you know. And down, and it's it's something I've experienced when I go to a drive-in or something, and the guy's like, "Oh, some dude paid it forward. You know, you don't have to pay your meal's free." I'm like. There's a guy. I'm gonna pay for the person behind me. Next thing you know, even though that might continue down, it might not. It might stop there. But right. you know that that just that those small little random acts of kindness are great. And it's it's like finding five dollars in your jeans when you're washing your old pair of pants or something. Like <laughs> yeah. it's a good feeling, man. And I definitely think people should be more open and like to interpretation of the world, and also be more open to people in general. Right. And. Yeah, I mean there's going to be assholes out there obviously, but there's also going to be some great people with some great experiences. Like just sitting down here talking to you has been amazing, man. Yeah, it's been great. This has been it's, great. It's 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 definitely something. It's going to it's going to make a great podcast and a great episode. I need to physically get connect with them. I need yeah. to know that I'm going to go in there and I connect with everybody basically. But I, I want to go in there knowing that like it's not going to be a thing where five minutes in the guy's like oh you know whatever and it's just like goes away. It's like no, I want to be able to click. I want you to yeah, be interested. No, if, in If I'm
1: going to bring anybody to the table, that's gonna that's gonna want to participate, you know, in in in, in 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 a podcast or a vlog or whatever. I, I I I'm only I'm only I'm gonna vet everybody very carefully to make sure that anybody that I bring in to get involved is gonna be enthusiastic about it and want to participate and and go the distance from the starting line to the finish line you know what i mean that's so.
0: why it's so hard to do it with people my age because when i message them they're like i guess if you hit me with an i guess or maybe cancel it no right, we're not right. doing it and they're like what do you mean i'm like if you're not going to take it seriously yeah when you asked
1: me but i was like what time Yeah. Where do we have that? When I got that response,
0: I was like, (laughs) literally, I stood up, was like, shit, yeah, he's about it, and like you were like on it. I was like, yes, because when mostly a lot of people that don't know what a podcast is, like what's a podcast, like, all right, I'll let you know what it is. It's a pretty cool interview, basically a conversation. Right. And then the people that do know what a podcast is, and my friends that I bring it up to people that would like to like that I know pretty well and would like to like click with, they're all like my age, and like I don't know, man, maybe maybe I'm like I'll ask you three times once I've asked you three times I'm not asking you anymore right you'll eventually have to ask me to be on my podcast right right. because even if this thing doesn't blow up I don't want to sit there and feel like I'm bugging you to get to force you to you know benefit both of us right for you to be you know exposure for me to like
1: talk about your thing yeah yeah, to yeah talk yeah. about you
0: practically right. i mean we can talk about obviously whatever you want on the podcast you talk about you, you talk about life we talk about whatever we talk about me if you want but at the same time is i also want people to know your story and your experiences while i share mine as well and maybe we can just get on different topics that might interest somebody listening and that's just the beauty of this whole thing and really what i would like to end the podcast on be open to everything don't be closed off from just certain things there's obviously some things that you might not be open to but you know don't be an asshole. i guess is just the main thing here
1: yeah don't suck you, you, you know i mean it's it's so it's and, and, the, and the and the world the, the, the world's in a weird place right now you know what i mean we're at a weird time in history it's a great time in history um, but, you know, there's so much, as much freedom as there is, as much interaction as, as there is. You know, the world's obviously gotten a lot smaller with the Internet and our communication. But, I, you know, in the, at the same time, our politics has gotten more involved and complicated. And as, as, as many liberties as we have to be able to take with each other, you know, I'm so fortunate. You know, living in this town, it's a great place to become worldly without having to be a world traveler because we have such an influx of, 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 of travelers that come in and out of town. And when, you know, when these people come, you get to learn things about other cultures that, you know, because you're interacting with a person, because you've met a person and, and, you're, and, and you learn from those things while they're here learning about us. What you see is that at the end of it all, in spite of differences, we all have the same basic wants. We all have the same basic needs. We're all living here together. We're all we're all living here together, and and we're we're all kind of to one degree or another suffering from mistakes that were made on our behalf, from our pasts, from people that came before us, and we're trying to figure. We're all trying to figure out another way, you know what I mean? And and I, I think the, the you know there's I, I think the idea that the utopia. Can can be a thing. I think that's so far off of what's possible or what's going to be possible in, in in our lifetime. I think it's a little bit un, un unrealistic. But you know, maybe if we're not shooting for the utopia, and and we just I, I think I think you know I hate to use the word settle, but you know if we settle for just let's all just collectively agree not to be assholes to each other. Yeah. I think if if we can just you know collectively globally arrive at that point and, and and use that as a nice resting place will be all right you know yeah, what I mean, I mean? How, how long is it how
0: how much time are you really losing holding the door open for someone that you're not, can't open you're, it not themselves?
1: you're not you're yeah. not you're
0: not so i mean it's great to have you on the podcast scott thanks again and for
1: having I, me this has been a lot of fun i can't i'm still marveling at how quickly the, the time went right by. A nice,
0: we were literally two hours and, no, two hours and two minutes into the podcast. 2.02,
1: wow. So, and two, two hours in a blink.
0: Yeah, exactly, man. It was a fun talk, and hopefully everyone out there listening enjoys it as much as we did.